The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Falbro. And since it's the holidays, we're going to cram everything into one big, giant Thanksgiving podcast palooza. We're joined, as always, by Dave Cariello from Canal Street Chronicles, leader, vice president, chairman, and Kevin Held, part-time contributor to Canal Street Chronicles. When he's not at the doctor's for apparently eight hours. Kevin, are you, were you at the doctor in Cuba? I mean, who, who, who has to wait four hours to see a doctor? Well, actually, it was only three and a half. Oh, okay. Makes that a huge difference. That is some bullshit. That is some bullshit right there. <laughs> yeah, well, here's the thing. They make you pay the copay up front, so essentially they have you by the balls the second you walk in, because then otherwise you're forfeiting your copay if you leave. I mean, what's the copay, can, like 15 bucks? Uh, copay is 25. I'll tell you what, three hours of my time is worth more than 25 bucks. Oh, yeah, well, no, I'm aware of that. I, I, I fully agree, but at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's, it's, it's a follow-up on an, it's a follow-up on an evaluation to make sure that you're, uh, you know, that you're reacting well to some medication and all this other kind of stuff. So basically, you the blue know. Pills are working? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the happy pills. The happy pills are working, so I'm sure there was some residual from that and from the Saints win uh, that mm-hmm. kept me in a good mood, because I'm sure otherwise I probably would have ripped the damn building apart by now. Um, honestly, uh, honestly, the guy, I figured out what the fucking problem is, because it, it, it had been a year since I'd seen the guy. So the problem is, is that he talks like Joe Theismann if he were LeBron. And it's like if I was explaining football to you like this, uh, to win a game, the object of winning a football game is you want to take the ball and advance it past the plane of the goal line. And if you do that enough, you should probably win. And if you're giving up a lot of points or yards, you're going to want to take the time to sort of uh, examine what it is you're doing on defense and figure out or scheme a way to correct that. And oh sometimes, God. you know, sometimes you'll want to go with a nickel defense or oh, maybe a, a dime. Right, if I had a gavel and I was a judge, I would bang it because we need to order – Maybe I need that, Dave. Maybe that's what I need to like to 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 control Kevin, like a like a gavel sound or something. All right, look, we got to start this podcast off. And Dave, you couldn't join us last week, uh, but we're gonna let you gloat over Mark Ingram having three. He's getting better and better, and you were the lone voice on this podcast. Of, Don't give up on Mark Ingram. So enjoy yourself, Dave. Gloat. I mean, I'm not gonna go crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I would say it was right. I mean. We're really getting into specifics. I actually said that Mark Ingram would, would find more success 
if the Saints use them differently and use them more often. And that, to be honest with you, I don't really think is the case. I mean, I don't think they're using him that much more. Maybe slightly more. Um, but he's not, you know, playing the role of every down back, which, which is just not going to happen on the Saints with the, the rotation that they've got. But, um, but I will say that, I mean, I, I think that Mark Ingram is a fine running back. He's healthy. He's young. He's got the talent. He's, you know, I, I don't know whether it's been the emergence of Chris Ivory that sort of maybe lit a fire under his butt, but he certainly seems to be running harder and running more aggressive. Um, but I, I like what I see from him. I think if if the Saints had used him against the Raiders, um, you know, the way that maybe Baltimore uses Ray Rice and just continue to feed him, uh, I, I think he'd be putting up easily, you know, games of over 100-plus yards. Um, but they just don't do that. But that's okay. But it's nice to see um, Ingram finally making the most out of the chances that he's been getting. Kevin, I'm convinced more than ever that the Saints were um, doing their normal bullshit about injuries. Uh, Mark Ingram, he just looks faster. Like, I don't think I don't think six weeks ago – on that touchdown run that he had against the Raiders six weeks ago, I don't think he gets to the end zone. Like he just looks faster. Am I? But am I crazy? No, I I don't think you're crazy. And maybe maybe that's part. You know, maybe if if we're going with that theory, maybe that helps explain Aaron Cromer's uh, derpiness when it comes <laughs> when it came to using him so sparingly, and that and that it would be like okay. He had one. He had one carry. All right, let's take him out for five straight plays. Okay, let's put him back in. All right, let's take him out again and just go back and forth like that. So that might explain it. Yeah, that's uh, it. Either that's the only explanation. Either that, either that, or Aaron Cromer is completely fucking incompetent. And right, I'm not totally ruling that out. Right, and and I mean the one thing I'll say is, and what I really don't want to see is if Aaron Foles is going to return to to the to the active roster and, and start playing in games again, um, I don't want to see that screw screw up what they've got going on. Uh, it's kind of like a, you know, a very similar situation as when Reggie Bush used to get injured. Reggie Bush would be injured, he'd be out three or four games, the Saints running game would be, do better, he'd come back, and it would all of a sudden um, drop back down again. And uh, obviously Darren Smalls is a much better running back and a more effective running back than Reggie Bush was for the Saints, but um, I don't want to see them all of a sudden bring Sproles back and revert to their to their original play calling and, and, and not stick to the run like they have been because I think that's going to be a recipe for failure. Dave, how good do you feel about this offense that Darren Sproles hadn't been playing and they're getting better? And, you know, people sort of forget about it, but this offense at the end of last year when it was a juggernaut, it basically was Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles sort of centric, and Darren Sproles has been out, and they're just getting better. So, I mean, how does that make you feel? I know you just mentioned your concerns about him coming back, but how does that make you feel going forward the last six weeks for this brutal schedule as far as the offense goes? I mean, I think the offense is absolutely heading in the right direction. I think they've been heading in the right direction since week one. Um, I mean, I think they've progressed progressively, just gotten better and better. Um I have no problems with the offense. I, I've, I've never really, you know, play calling has been really my only problem. But, I mean, as far as, you know, we've talked about this before when receivers are absent or miss games or whatever, um, the Saints offense, they just keep rolling. They have enough talented guys. Um, they're deep enough at the skill positions. 
uh, they'll be fine if they're missing a guy like Darren Sproles or a guy like Lance Moore or even a guy like Jimmy Graham, which they were. Um, there are enough guys on the totem pole that will step up um, when one guy's not around. So, uh, I mean, when it comes to this offense, you know, you don't even really need to pay attention to the injury report as long as Drew Brees is on it, um, with the exception of maybe the offensive line. But um, I, these guys, they're, they're just good. They're just good. They're deep, and, they're, and, and, and they all just do their job. Kevin, um, you know, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you coming? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. No, we... Of all the Saints' defensive issues, the one that sort of we've been harping on this podcast back and forth is the, the, the safety play was at times, especially the first, say, five, six weeks, just atrocious. Um, it seems to be getting a lot better. Um, so They're just catching balls. That's the only difference. Well, no, but I mean, they're, they're not they're – not like, but Dave, they're not like they're not like busted. They don't don't they don't seem to have as many like busted coverages where Deshaun, you know, Deshaun Jackson had the one big play against when they played Philly. But it doesn't seem like they're having these huge, massive screw ups where they had early in the year. Or Kevin, is that is that a, am I just am I just like Dave just said? Am I just glossing it over because now they're catching balls? Uh, well, I it's no, no, no. I, I mean. I, I think it's a case where you're both right. I mean, the Saints were, you know, not catching anything uh, uh, because, I mean, hell, that's that's why the that's why the uh, no catch and MFers uh, moniker uh, came back in such uh, you know big use uh, this year. But at the same time, I mean, they were still getting beat on plays. I mean, they were still failing to make tackles and and and, and yeah. execute properly. The tackling properly. was kind of atrocious. And, and and it just I don't know I mean it, it just seems like Joe Vitt showing up kind of uh, righted the ship like he, he he seemed to fix most everything I mean yeah Darren Sproles was injured so they needed to use Ingram more but you know they 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 use they bring out Chris Ivory they use him and they use him effectively and then suddenly that works for suddenly that works for Mark Ingram I mean. Jimmy Graham, you know, Jimmy Graham had a couple of moments in the last two games where he seemed to like not be able to catch cold, but uh, he's really ramped things up in the last two games, and he kind of looks like his old self. 
Uh, the defensive line has actually looked good at times. I mean, you know, the, the, I, I, was, I was worried that the Raiders were going to throw the ball all day on the Saints and we're gonna and Carson Palmer is gonna be a sure bet to go over three fifty and threaten for four hundred yards. And it turns out that the only guy that, that the Raiders had that was effective was their third string running back. So true. So true. We, we what was the what Kevin, when we did the podcast, what was the over on we did a over under game and it was on Carson Palmer. I I think it was three it was three sixty over under. And I'm pretty sure I took the over. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty you're sure I took the over on that. Well, <laughs> you're, you're just learning this. <laughs> no. If you're if you're if you're just learning this, uh, I may not be the only idiot on this podcast. <laughs> oh, well, I, I would I would I would venture to say that there's uh, that we're at times we're we're all idiots. Except Dave is mostly normal, except when he gets really really pissed off, which. It hadn't happened really yet, but it's going to happen this year, I think. Or he'll I'll tell you what, if I, was in a, if I was sitting in a waiting room for three hours, I would just blow my fucking load all over this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, 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 what now? <laughs> <laughs> what was you, that? Well, I would blow my load all over this podcast if I was sitting in a doctor's waiting room for three hours. All right, then. That's, well, there yeah, we go, then. That's, that's uh, <laughs> a minute. I said it. I stole my mom's credit. <laughs> they. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta. I gotta take a second. Uh, <laughs> Dave. Um, the Saints play uh, the team that you know. Some people would argue that it's the they they administered the worst loss in Saints history. Um, oh my God! The I would say it's the second worst loss. I still say the Philadelphia loss in the playoffs to drop Jim Moore to 0 and 4 as far as having a two touchdown lead in the third quarter and blowing it is still number 1. But I'm open to arguments about San Francisco being the worst loss. Um how much do you think the players will care is one issue, but you go to the every game. I'll, I'll tell you what, Roman Harper better give a shit. <laughs> okay, Roman Harper Better give more shits than he's ever given shits before. Because if his ass doesn't stop burning fucking David on Sunday, uh, I'm going to blow, blow my load all over the Superdome. <laughs> so, 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 so you're recommending Roman Harper take a diuretic then? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, no, I mean, that's, that's a funny answer to, to your serious question, Ralph. Um, Roman Harper really needs to. I mean, I mean, he was he was embarrassed uh, last time out in the playoffs against Vernon Davis, and he's he's got um, he's got a lot to to make up for, I think. So uh, he, he's he's going to be the guy I'm, I'm watching this this weekend for sure. Well, and I, all eyes black on Roman Harper. The the players they're saying it's not a you know it's not payback and it's not rival and all that. But Dave, you go to the game. I'm Where's thinking. That this game is going to have at least the electric atmosphere of the Atlanta game, maybe, oh, maybe just off. a touch more. No, or you disagree? No, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think I'm the only one here that 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 remembers well that Niners game, and I think that a lot of people feel a lot of things fans probably feel the way I do. Um, this is all about revenge. Um, can we just talk about how the 
Saints players are just absolutely full of shit. I mean, that's, that's the biggest lie I've ever heard, that they're not, that this, this, this game isn't about revenge. That is the biggest crock of shit I have ever fucking heard. That game has been circled on their calendar since fucking Roman Harper got beat at the goal line uh, in San Francisco. Um, they want to win this game. Uh, they're going to win this game, and they give a shit about this game very much. Kevin, do you have anything to add? Dave's getting pretty fired up. Um, I'm actually glad. I'm actually glad that he's getting fired up. I'm glad one of us is because I, I'm I'm standing in a grocery store right now, so I can't really get that fired up uh, legally. Still recovering uh, from the doctor having his finger up his ass. Otherwise, I'm, well, well, yeah, yeah. We, we we have my doctor to thank for that. Otherwise, I'd be home cooking right now. Um, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Everything that Dave has been saying. Uh, about, you know, it's a revenge game, and it better be a revenge game. They're full of crap. It's just saying it's not about revenge. And, you know, Ralph, I get what you're saying about the Philly game being worth loss, but I, I, uh, I gotta go with the, uh, I gotta go with the Niners game. I mean, maybe it's because I was just a kid, like, uh, uh, the Atlanta playoff loss is pretty fucking bad, too. But it's, it's getting on 20 years, so it's like a different generation. Right, the the, the the Philly game. I I said, what wasn't the Philly game where uh, where uh, didn't a running back get hurt and 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 a whole lot of things just like happened in that game? They where... did. Randall Cunningham did like two miracle chunk bombs to Fred Barnett. That was like he he scrambled backwards like it was fucking Tecmo Bowl and like Ricky Jackson missed him and he just like chucked it up and it was like a miracle pass and Fred Barnett went up and caught it between Toy Cook and Brett Max. I mean, it was, it was a lot of like bull, it was a bunch of like bullshit plays, you know? Um, well, so, well clearly, clearly, it's okay. Clearly you remember it better than I do, <laughs> but the thing, the reason that I go, the reason that I go, uh, the Niners one, and obviously, it, it, yeah, I know it sounds like I'm doing, you know, uh, pulling a Dan Shan off here and going, you know, the last thing to happen is the best thing to happen or worst thing to happen in this case, is, look, the Saints had a two-touchdown lead, but they choked it away over a period of a half, and they were going up against Randall Cunningham. The, the Saints gave up a win in which they had the lead in the last 90 seconds. Actually, less than 90 seconds. It was like 84 seconds. Okay? Any foot, I mean, seriously, yes, like, I want somebody to run the numbers. Get Nate Silver on the phone and ask him to run the numbers on teams that have had the lead with 84 seconds to go in the history of the NFL. If you like, lead... The, whole, the entire history. If, if you, you lead, lead by... Uh, if you, Kevin, if you lead by a field goal with two minutes or less in the history of the NFL, you win 80% of the time. That's according to Nate Silver. That, that was his explanation when he was, he was trying to explain why he thought Obama was going to win you know, 85%. You know, that, that was his thing. It's like Obama's ahead by a field goal with two minutes to go, and the, the, the statistics say if that's the case, you win 80% of the time. Okay, so 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 if, so if Romney starts throwing the ball to Paul Ryan again and again and again, <laughs> and, and, and Joe Biden and Joe Biden keeps getting beat like a government mule covering him, eventually you look to you look to Hillary Clinton and say, okay, Hillary and Joe Get in double there. cover, double cover Paul Ryan and lay some fucking wood to him for Christ's sake. Okay, you know you. 
we, you let Paul Ryan beat you again and again throughout the game, and it happened. It happened both times late, and in this and in this case, Vernon Davis was playing the role of Paul Ryan, and that will be the only time in the history of humanity that Vernon Davis and Paul Ryan get mentioned in the same sentence. It is well done, well done, um, Kevin. Dave, I'll ask you this: um, How? Me and Andrew touched on it a little bit, but how concerned? I'm really, really concerned about this this right tackle that I didn't even know was on the team, that he's going to start uh, against San Francisco and be just um, a white turnstile. Um, how concerned are you with the offensive line? Uh, yes, yeah, slightly. Um, I mean, he, I think you're talking about Bryce Harris, I believe. I uh, <clears throat> he, <clears throat> I think he played all of the second half. <laughs> against um against the Raiders and um yeah and uh you know I think in his first few snaps at the end of the first half when Charles Brown actually got injured and he came in um he kind of got beat like a drum a few times but um I didn't really notice anything in the second half so I think that's probably got to be a good sign um the Saints didn't give up a sack to the Raiders all game um, I think that's got to be a good sign. Granted, this is the Raiders we're talking about. It's not the Niners or the, uh, you know, the Atlanta Falcons or anything like that. But, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, we can, of course, talk about it, but there's not really much we can do about it because, uh, you know, that, that's going to be the situation come Sunday. But I'm not that concerned. The Saints must have a little faith in him um, that, that, he, that he's even in this position. But, um, like I said, judging by what we saw against Oakland and, and offensive line play and um, them not giving up a sack, I would say it's, it should be okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe not great, but it's okay. Kevin, I'm going to ask you a question. I think this is going to get you really fired up. And if you start to yell, put the phone away from you just a little bit because during the podcast, when you get really, really yelly and screamy, have you seen the comments? You get really hot, and I have a hard time. Uh, making you sound not like a Burger King drive-through. Um, so I'm, get, I'm, I'm, I'm wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. I get, I get what again? You get hot. You get. It, it's hard for people to understand you. I don't know if you read the comments on Canal Street Chronicles. When you get going and you get frothy, the audio gets too hot, and I can't, uh, I can't, oh. man, I can't manipulate it. So you, you sound like a Burger King drive-through. And oh, oh, okay. Because because for a second I thought you were coming on to me. Yeah. 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 Um, no, nobody was doing that. Don't worry about that. So. I do that too. Uh, look, uh, Jeff Duncan wrote a column this week saying, you know, the I Saints. Jeff Bigley in a what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Jeff Duncan wrote a column this week about um, saying, you know, the Saints they they don't owe anything to Sean Payton. They shouldn't pay him any more money and blah blah blah. And you know, this guy, ma- and, and troll, 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 troll your boat. Okay, but let me ask you this: How many more wins in a row? Will it take the Saints before Jeff Duncan writes the sequel to Troll, Troll, Troll Your Boat of, you know what, maybe they don't need Sean Payton, maybe they can make Joe Vitt the full-time coach. How many more wins in a row will that take before the, Jeff Duncan writes that column? Well, clearly clearly, if, if he's writing this already, it probably won't take too many. I would, of course, suggest that maybe it take uh, – all right, so they're they're five and five now. So we're looking at another six, uh, seven, eight, uh, nine wins in a row. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm, 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 I would say nine wins in a row, but, but you know, because Jeff Duncan is Jeff Duncan, uh, maybe that'll be just one more. I think maybe if they just beat, I think maybe if they just beat the Niners, or if they, you know, lose to the Niners and somehow beat the Falcons, then maybe it'll be, oh, you know, Sean Payton who? And and Dave, kind of, I don't, think, I don't think Joe. By the way, I mean. I don't think that Joe Fitt is looking to be head coach of this. No, I'm not saying he's looking to. I'm just saying that 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 is that's the that's yeah, the please. that is the. I think you could that could be the troll column of the year as far as that's the, the local no, the media. That's, that's, that's Duncan written all over it. Um, Dave, if you had to put if you had to put, I say two more wins. We get the. I say if they win the next two games and they get to seven and five, they'll have eleven days off. So Jeff Dunkel will have a lot of time to fill. That's when it comes. It only takes two more wins before we get to Joe Vitch should be the, the the permanent head coach. Cup. Hey man, he's got his own opinions. He's allowed to write them. Uh, you know, he's not a Saints fan. Uh, so you know, I, I kind of get enjoyment out of watching people just absolutely watching Saints and blow up at some of the shitty right. Well, I I. I I want him to write the Joe Vitt should be the permanent head coach column because um, I think the angry Hudat would just he'd have an aneurysm and it would just be <laughs> it would just be fab it would just be fantastic. I don't think he'll write that. I don't think that he'll write anything about Joe Vitt being head coach because I think he knows what Joe Vitt uh, doesn't want to be head coach, so he won't go there. But he can definitely write something that is equally trollastic. <laughs> Kevin, you know the Saints are five and five. They're a game out of the last playoff spot. Um, what NFC team will have your attention as we go forward? And hopefully the Saints keep winning and pressing. What NFC team is really going to have your attention? Because you got Tampa ahead of them, Seattle, Minnesota. What NFC team is going to you're going to be keeping your eye on, saying that team needs to lose? Because I'm really worried about them getting the ten, eleven wins. That's the team that that we all need to pay attention to. That's ahead of the Saints. Kevin. Oh, 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 no, I, I, I didn't know that question was for me. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going Seattle. Seattle? Oh, yeah, because Minnesota has a tougher go of it. Uh, Chicago and or Green Bay is going to win the division, and the other team is likely going to be the wild card. Minnesota, like I said, got the tougher go because they got to still play the Bears twice and the Packers. The Cowboys are done. Uh so I'm not sure who else that that, that leaves in the uh, in the wild card. Uh, I'm 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 not buying Tampa. Uh, so that 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 really leaves uh, Seattle, and Seattle has an easier path of it. I, I I can't remember the damn schedule off the top of my head, but they go to but they, they got, got a lot of they got a lot of winnable games for they them. Ha- they have a uh, they have to go to Miami. They have to go to Buffalo. And they have to go to Chicago, which those you know, because Seattle's horrible on the road. So you really look at their you look at their road games, and those are their those are their three road games that are left. Well, two of those are winnable. Yeah, but but that's a long that's a that's a long ass flight from Seattle to Miami and to Buffalo, and you know I don't know how they'll do in the cold. I'm 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 saying that that Kevin, if if they if they if they only get of those three games, if Miami or if Miami or Buffalo can beat them, 
it makes it to me to my mind it makes it really hard for them to get to 10 wins so that's why those those games are key yeah but uh dave before we get out of here you know it is the holiday season and i i thanks thanksgiving is my of all the holidays thanksgiving is my favorite i love to stuff my face um with food that you, i am uh and you are a foodie and you dream of being the New York Times food critic. So what is your... I, I do dream of that. How do I get that job? I don't know. Um, oh, my God. Do you get to eat for free everywhere you go? Yeah, and you get to eat for free, and then you just go and you just make... You just write 1,100 words making fun of Guy Fieri, and people notice yeah. you. It's like, <laughs> oh... I, not only could I make money doing what I love, but then I could also save probably all that money that I wind up spending on food. Exactly. Anyway, here's your question, Ralph. My question is, uh, your favorite Thanksgiving dish and the dish Mm. that you hate for Thanksgiving? Mm, The dish that I hate? My favorite Thanksgiving dish is definitely, I think we talked about this last year, but it's definitely fried fried turkey, not regular baked turkey, you know, it has to be fried. Um, my father-in-law does a good job of it. Um, I think my mother-in-law actually seasons it, but, uh, and uh, he used to, he doesn't do this anymore, but he used to cook like a whole pound of bacon oh. and then put that, put the bacon grease into the frying oil and then fry the turkey in that. Um, he doesn't do it anymore just because it's kind of a pain in the ass to cook a pound of bacon on a stovetop. But, uh, so I would say that's my favorite thing. I also kind of like dirty rice. Um, my least favorite would just be anything with mushrooms. Like, if, if the stuffing has mushrooms in it, I don't like it. If it does, like, sauteed mushrooms, and I just do not like mushrooms. Stuffed mushrooms, ugh. No mushrooms for, for, for Dave. Uh, Kevin, your favorite Thanksgiving dish and your, uh, least favorite? Um, hmm. Let me see. Let me see. My, uh... My favorite, my favorite dish uh, is is, and this is a complete cop out. My favorite dish is the sweet potato marshmallow casserole. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, because I'm an absolute uh, hog for uh, for sweets, and just because everybody, it's like you know, I eat I eat macaroni and cheese every now and then, and and you know the the. The turkey's always there, and I'm I'm kind of like I'm the guy that's like if I can't get any skin with my turkey, I kind of get tired of turkey pretty quick. Oh. Um. So, I kind of I kind of go for that, uh, and then and then once the skin once I run out of uh, potential to get any pieces with skin on it, I just attack the uh, the sweet potato marshmallow casserole. Uh, God, I I don't know if I have a least favorite. I maybe like. Uh, I think there was like a. Actually, you know what? Uh, cranberry. Anything with cranberry in it. Like the the yeah. Yeah the. Like yeah the cran- cranberry. The, like the cranberry in the can that jiggles and it just sits on the table. Yeah. Come, comes yeah. out shaped just yeah. like the can. Yeah. yeah that kind of yeah that kind of that kind of grosses me out. <laughs> I. I was at a family get together a couple years ago, and uh, somebody like made the cranberry, like handcrafted it, and it spent all this time on it. 
and they had that version, and they had the canned version, and everybody ate the canned version, and the person that made the homemade Martha Stewart cranberry was like really, really offended. It was it was good times. Um, my favorite is is my it was my father's recipe. It's, my brother has taken it over. It's the uh, it's the rice it's the dirty rice dressing. It's just fantastic. And my least favorite, and I know uh, I will probably get angry emails or stares or whatever. Uh, I don't like oyster dressing. Maybe I've never had it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about that either. That I'm maybe, maybe it's that I haven't. It's not any the, it, the versions that I've had haven't been very good. But I just like if if I'm gonna fill my if I'm gonna fill my gullet on Thanksgiving, I'm going to like Kevin says. I'm going to the the I'm going to the sweet stuff. I'm going to that. But that's um that's my that's our Thanksgiving portion of the show, Dave. Uh, the Saints are five and five. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is, and they're 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 back from the dead. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> this game Sunday, and then they play Atlanta. They got to, to my, from my mind, they got to get at least one and get and get to December at six and six. Uh, give me your give me. First of all, do you think it benefits? What benefits the Saints best? in tonight's game, is it better for San Francisco to win or is it better for them to lose? They're playing, what, Chicago? Yeah. Uh, you see, now somebody else had asked this question uh, on Tennessee Street Chronicles today. Um, <clears throat> I mean, do you, do you mean from, like, a mental perspective? Like, if they win, then they're going to be, you know, yeah. on a roll, and they, and they think, you know, then they're going to be able to come here and beat them. Uh, you know, <clears throat> It's probably best that they win, to be, to be honest with you. I feel like if they lose to Chicago, then their backs are going to be a little bit more up against the wall. and uh, You know, because I don't think a division win is a sure thing for them, necessarily, especially if Seattle plays good. Um, so, uh, plays well, sorry. Um, Arizona, obviously, is out of it. Um, so, you know, I, I think if they won and they beat Chicago, maybe they'd be a little overconfident. Maybe they'd be a little cocky. Uh, oh man, look, we just beat a nine and two team or eight and two team or whatever they are, and uh, and uh, now we're going to play the team that we just beat in the playoffs. You know, we, we got this in the bag, and and maybe that would lead to them sort of uh, sitting on their heels a little bit. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really know whether it matters. I, you know, if, if they're a good team and they're a professional team, they probably have the ability to isolate games and compartmentalize and and all that. So. Uh, I don't think it really matters from a standings perspective. Uh, I also don't think that matters. Um, Chicago and or Chicago and Green Bay are probably definitely going to make the playoffs, and um, <clears throat> I would say that the, the Niners are probably going to uh, win their division too. Uh, again, that's not a foregone conclusion, but they are technically, I would say, the better team on paper. So, um, you know. Uh, what, I, what I what I really want to see is um, I, I want to see Brian Erlacher and the Bears defense just beat the ever loving shit out of these guys physically, uh, and and just leave them in shambles for next. Maybe week. go maybe, maybe go overtime and, and play the full overtime and get oh, another. Go, get yeah, another go, yeah, go overtime. Is Alex Smith playing or he's out? Uh, no, he's he's not playing. They have uh, uh, Colin. Well, Ka- somehow run, somehow run into him on the sideline and knock his head <laughs> onto the ground. Um, you know, you, you know, I, I just want 
complete annihilation of the 49ers team. And uh, no, I don't give a shit whether the Saints play the Niners at their best or if they're banged up. Uh, I want the fucking W. That's what I like about you, Dave. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have anything. I want to beat them at their best and all that. You just want, you just want the Saints to fucking win. You know, I mean, anything you could come up with excuses, and anything can happen in the league. I mean, the Saints don't have some of their guys. Uh, that's just part of football, and uh, I think that just shows you how. Uh, technically, I think the better team is the deeper team. So if you've got a lot of injuries and you can still go out there and put a good, good game out, I think that just means all your second string guys and your third string guys guys are are just as good. And I think that's the sign of a good team. So um, if if the not if, you know if, if a hypothetical team really is that banged up and then they come out and play well, then that just shows them how good of a team they really are. So so that's give what me, I want to see. Give me a give me a prediction for the 49ers game and give me a player for the Saints that needs to play well that isn't Roman Harper. Roman Harper. That isn't that isn't Roman Harper. <laughs> um, no, I was going to say Harper. it isn't Drew Brees. Roman Harper's a, a Roman Harper is a fine choice. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, he definitely needs to have a good game uh, against the Niners. Score prediction going to be close. Probably Saints win by a field goal. Well, let's go 27. Uh, well, you know, no, let's go 27-23. A little bit more than a field goal. Kevin, your uh, your prediction for the game and a Saints player that needs to play well that's not named Drew Brees or Roman Harper. Um, I tell you what, I will go. Uh, I will go Malcolm Jenkins because Malcolm Jenkins was also uh, getting beat like a drum uh, in that uh, in that game. So I'll say uh, I'll say Janky Spanky. And final score, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it relatively low, because what I'm kind of hoping what I'm hoping is that is that the Niners win, but it's an ugly game, but they win, and that the team still has confidence in Kaepernick, so they put Kaepernick uh, in the dome. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. I, because I because I want to see how he'll react to the crowd. So. So I'll root for uh, that. Whatever scenario ensures that the Niners win an ugly game and Kaepernick looks good enough that uh, that they tell Alex Smith that he's still dazed and confused from his concussion. And I will say, I'll go, uh, I'll go Saints twenty-three, Niners seventeen. Oh wow! Interesting. Saints twenty-three, Niners seventeen. I think I I I, I think maybe the Saints get a. Uh, I'll I'll take the Saints to get a uh, to get a late touchdown. In fact, something Ooh. in the last you know something in the last four four minutes of the game, and then a uh, Kaepernick uh, can answer the bell. Ah, interesting. Uh, well, that about does it. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. Uh, you know, if you're traveling, be safe. And uh, hopefully, when we talk again next week, the Saints will be uh, six and five, and uh, maybe Dave can gloat a little more about uh, a, a four straight game. For Mark Ingram playing well. It is a Monday afternoon, which means we are talking to Andrew Juge of the Saints Nations. Well, the Saints have climbed from the abyss, Andrew, from 0 4 to 5 5. I'll be the first to say I didn't think it was going to happen. As my readers and emailers reminded me today, one of my column posts at Channel 4's website, you know, I thought they were done getting the top five pick in the draft. That ain't happening. Um,. You know, we kind of had pointed to this game, you know, Andrew, in the preview that was like, if the Saints are going to dump truck somebody this year, it's going to be the Raiders. And they pretty much did it. I mean, 38-17, they looked good. Um, your overall thoughts on how they looked yesterday? 
You know, I thought they looked good. I didn't think they looked great. Um, you know, I, I thought the tackling was really poor um, on the Saints end. I mean, Marcel Reese was running running wild, and he's a nobody. And I feel like he got most of his yards after first contact. So, um, you know, I feel like that's still got to get cleaned up. The tackling was really poor. Um, and I, I thought the offense was good, but I, I just thought that they were, you know, the first half especially – um, there were a couple just third-down conversions they normally make that they didn't. And then uh, there was that third and one that Mark Ingram usually converts. He didn't. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I felt like there was a oh, – and they got a couple bad calls. Like there was that Jabari Greer strip, which to me was a very clear um, forced fumble. And, um, or at the very you know, least – traverse- At the very least, you can't, at the very least, you can't overturn that. You called it a fumble. What are you seeing clearly yeah. – that makes it not a fumble. Yeah, and the cadet reception, you know, that they ended up scoring after that anyway, but um, that that was another one where I just don't see where there was visual evidence to overturn it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I feel like the Saints were two or three plays away from that really being like more like a 56-7, 56-10 yeah. type of win. So, you know, any win in the NFL, you'll take it, and I still think things are on the upswing. Defense is looking a little better. The offense is playing well. And um, I feel like this rejuvenated confidence now going into any game, really, that the Saints are playing well. They can beat anyone. Um, but if you ask me if I thought they played great, I, I thought they, they played well enough to beat a really bad team comfortably. And that's really all they needed to do. Uh, but I didn't really feel like it was a statement win either. I feel like, you know, that that was a team they could have dump trucked much worse. Yeah, look – the Raiders are the Raiders are awful. I mean, they have a good yeah. kicker and a good punter, but the Raiders are just. I mean, they're dump they're a dumpster fire. And the worst thing is, they're a dumpster fire, and they gave up all they gave up a shitload of draft picks to get Carson Palmer. So they're like, well, they're really paid up too. I mean, you look, they're two they're two highest paid defenders, and Devon Branch and uh, Richard Seymour were both out. Yeah, arguably their two best defenders. You know, their top two running backs were out. Now, I don't know that Darren McFadden could have played any better than Marcel Reese. But, um, you know, that. so they're decimated by injuries. And on top of that, Carson Palmer has kind of been hot and cold this year. He he hasn't been awful. And to me, in that game, his accuracy was just off. It was. I mean, he was just missing, missing wide open receivers. So um, I, I thought Palmer – um, played very poorly in that game as well. So. Well, let me say this. If Arizona would have had Carson Palmer yesterday, they'd have beat Atlanta. But that's well, neither that's neither here nor there. But let, let's get into the defense. Look, the defense, you know, we I sort of have this running, not not so much anymore, but this running argument with the angry Houdat. You know, he says, yards don't matter. I don't give a shit if the Saints defense is the worst in history. And, you know, me, I think you're on my side too, is, you know, yards matter – Sometimes, and sometimes they don't. I, I said in my column, it's like when you're sick. If, if Andrew, if you have the flu and you have a light cough, it's not that big a deal. But if you're totally healthy and you start coughing up blood, well, then it matters. You know, so the yards to me yesterday, they don't, once the Saints got up 28 to 7, it doesn't matter. But if you see a trend with those yards that can tell you a story, it's important. Just like on, you know, same thing with offense. You know, Atlanta, they won yesterday, but their run game 
on offense has sucked the last three weeks, and they gave up 120 yards to Robert Stevens Hollins the ninth or whatever that guy is for Arizona. That's a bad trend on their defense. You know, not that we want to talk about Atlanta, but the yards can tell you a story sometimes. But this defense, Andrew, I think they're getting nasty again, which is good, which you said they had lost because of Bounty Gate. I see them getting nasty. And more importantly, Andrew, they're not blowing assignments left and right. You know, the Raiders had some nice drives, which is fine. But the thing is, big, huge mistakes on defense, when you blow a coverage, you give up a 50-yard play, a 70-yard touchdown, it kills your momentum. And I, I'm yeah. seeing that the yeah. last two weeks, even against Atlanta, when Atlanta was hitting big plays, you weren't like, what are they doing? Most of the time you were just like, ah, they blitzed Matt Ryan, they didn't get there, Jabari Greer got beat. Eh, it happens. You aren't seeing these horrible, horrible blown coverages, which is to me. No, look, you, you, you can live with getting beat. You know, when, you're, when the coverage is there, when you execute the defense and you just get beat because the other guy is better, that's the stuff you can live with. And, look, Ralph, no one has ever mistaken Scott Shanley, and, and it's a funny analogy just because yeah. he's not playing right now because they've decided he's not good enough. But um, no one has ever mistaken Scott Shanley for a superior athlete or a top-notch linebacker, but that guy has carved out a really nice NFL career for himself because he's so dependable. And defenses say, okay, this is the scheme we're running, and this is where you need to be. And without fail, he has been there consistently over his career every single time. And so why has he played for this long, even though he's subpar in terms of pure ability? Because he can be counted on and because he executes. And so when he gets beat, it's because he's not fast enough or he's not tall enough or whatever. But it's, it's normally not because he had a brain cramp or a meltdown mentally. And so that – so. He, Regardless of whether he's playing or not, my point there is you can live with Jabari Greer having great coverage on Julio Jones and getting beat for a 50-yard pass because he's 5'9", and he just gets out-jumped for a ball. What you can't live with is Patrick Robinson jumping a play action and Deshaun Jackson, who's the best <laughs> player on, the, on his football team, getting 30 yards behind him with no safety over the top helping out. And so – yeah, I agree with you. I, I can live – the missed tackles, you can clean up. And that's the main gripe, and I thought the main thing I thought about this defense against the Raiders that was poor was very poor tackling. But that's stuff you can clean up. If the guys are where they're supposed to be and they're just making ta missed tackles, then, you know, I think there's hope there. There's hope that next week they'll make those tackles. But, look, at the beginning of the year they were 0-4, and the defense couldn't do anything right. They couldn't rush the passer. They couldn't get off the field on third down. They couldn't stop the run. They were getting gashed for huge yards in the backfield. And at some point, you, you, were, you were even like, at first, like, just stop being the worst defense in NFL history. And then it was like, okay, that, that's a given. That's a given. We're going to be the worst. So let's at least be good at something. Yeah. So, you know, every week I feel like we were making concessions like, okay, fine. We know this is a given, but let's at least be a little bit better at this. Yeah. And finally that's happened. I feel like we've, we've finally gotten what, what you've been asking for all these weeks where uh, the Saints are actually rushing the passer a little bit. Two out of three uh, weeks. Right? I, yeah. I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to confuse this defense for having O.C. Manure and Justin Tuck on the end, but with, with Michael Strahan sprinkled on top. But, you know, they're, they're getting to the quarterback decently. 
Um, you know, last week they were phenomenal against the run. This week, decent in coverage. Both safeties played an outstanding game. And more than anything, we're starting to see this team's calling card being their red zone defense. Yeah. And I think whether it's been a little bit of luck, and look, the pick by Roman Harper, it was a great catch, but Myers, Brandon Myers absolutely should have caught that ball. That should have been a touchdown, and that had more to do with a tight end dropping a ball than anything the Saints defense did. So part of it may be luck, but I do think little things like that help increase the confidence yeah, of the team. exactly. And I think right now that's what this defense needs so badly is to say, you know what, at least we're good in this situation. So when they get in that situation, they actually play with confidence, they take risks, and it pays off. And so, and, and you know, again, another goal line stand where the Raiders scored a touchdown was that play that Patrick Robinson gave up. That was on second and goal. They had that play bottled up perfectly. And if it wasn't for a mistake by Robinson, they might be holding the Raiders to three or nothing on that drive too. So, you know, like I said, I think that's the calling card right now of this defense. And, look, you can pick a lot worse things than a defense that's really good in the red zone. And, you know, if they're going to give up a ton of yards, but that's going to be what they excel at, I'll take it. No, I mean that's that you're 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 obviously right. And look, to me, the, look, the Raiders' offensive line has issues too. But to me, at least they were making Carson Palmer. He was uncomfortable probably half the time, and especially when they had him in third downs and distance. Yeah, the Raiders hit some plays on him, but Carson Palmer, they at least were making him move a little bit. They were hitting him some. I mean, that's to me an important sign. And they're going to be playing at home against San Francisco. You know, they'll have the the crowd will be ready to go, you know, because, look, it's, the Saints are back in the playoff hunt. San Francisco, everybody remembers the playoff loss. So, you know, the the, the, the the players might not be talking too much about revenge, but I'll be goddamn sure the fans, we are. Um, so they'll have that, and maybe that can help them. Um, well, you know, you, know you, you mentioned the, Ra- the Raiders' offense isn't, isn't – offensive line isn't great, and uh, – you know, the Eagles' offensive line was a train wreck. But, um, but, but what's important to realize is we're starting to get in the midseason and towards the end of the season. And so a lot of these offensive lines are either banged up or they're just straight-up missing guys. Yeah. I mean, case in point, the Saints went down to their third right tackle. And so uh, Will Smith, early in the year, I think a lot of this defense playing better is that they're getting more pressure and better play out of Will Smith. And part of the reason why I think he's starting to play better now is maybe not so much what he's changed, but teams are struggling to block him a little bit more now because the quality of the left tackle. I mean, if you look at the first week, Trent Williams uh, with the Redskins, premier left tackle who has since out with an injury. But week one, Will Smith had to go up against him, and he handed Will Smith his lunch. Week two, Jordan Gross a top-notch left tackle that's a seasoned veteran for the Panthers, ate Will Smith's lunch. The difference now is some of these left tackles have gotten injured, some of them are banged up, and Will Smith is starting to turn the tide a little bit. He's playing better. So now teams are like, shit, do we have to double-team Will Smith? And if they do, that opens up things for the rest of the defensive line to start getting more pressure. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, you know, Hopefully the you know I think Vilma's coming along a little bit and you know I think Joe Vitt even mentioned look I've got to 
protect Jonathan Vilma from himself. You know, Jonathan Vilma, he's got the knee. He's only got a limited amount of plays, but Hawthorne's coming back, and they're getting healthy on defense. So, look, this defense, they don't have to be great or good. Just, like we said, do something well, you know, and they've done it the last couple weeks. And, look, if they play defense either – they can be even, Andrew, they don't even have to be as good as they were against the Raiders or – Somewhere between how they played against the Raiders and how they played against Atlanta is plenty good enough for them to win. Um, well, you know, and so you and the angry Houdat had an argument about yards, and I just want to make a distinction here because I, I, I'm kind of with you, Ralph. And I, I want to make the distinction that the Saints gave up 400 yards of offense yesterday, but the difference is they got three sacks, yeah. they got two turnovers, okay? And they weren't getting any sacks and they weren't getting any turnovers earlier in the season. So I can stomach 400 yards to 500 yards when they're getting an extra possession for their offense or when they're getting on the field, off the field because they make a big play on third down. That wasn't happening when they were on the floor. Yeah, and I mean, look, you can, you know, you, you know, if they, if they, you know, let's say it, it, everything goes really well against San Francisco and they create three or four turnovers and, Al, and, and, and San Francisco gets 410 yards, but you look at it and you go, oh, yeah, but Alex Smith, he threw for 360 and he threw, he threw 50 times because you know because San Francisco was playing catch up uh, mid second quarter on. Well, you know what? I don't give I don't give a shit about those yards. But you know if San Francisco throws if if San Francisco scores 35 and has 400 yards of offense and 200 on the ground and 200 passing, well then I care. You know it matters. Yeah. You know it, it it just the stats the, the yards aren't always irrelevant. You know it, it it you give and take. But look, I want to touch on. What you mentioned before about the right tackle, Charles Brown. We were worried about him. He's played. He was playing really well at a high level, and I think there was a chance. Look, you know, the Saints have major cap issues, and Jamar Bushrod may or may not get an offer from teams. I don't know. Teams didn't really chase him last time he was a free agent, but he's making five million. I was sensing, Andrew, there was a chance that look, the Saints, if if Charles Brown had kept playing well and been healthy, they would have said, look, we're going with Streif and we're going with Charles Brown at tackle because we got to save money somewhere. But he got hurt against the Raiders, injured his knee. Don't know how much time he's going to miss. Or they had Bryce Harrison there. He was a turnstile, especially early on. And what what is the prospect of him playing well? And look, San Francisco's got a hell of a defensive line. What do you do? What do the Saints do if they have to play him at right tackle? Well, look, the Saints had a hellacious time blocking the 49ers with Bushrod and Streif last year in the playoffs. So, you know, once once you go down to your third tackle, <laughs> um, <laughs> it gets even worse. But, um, you know, I, I think it's challenging. And what I saw the Saints do after, you know, it was pretty clear on the first couple of plays that Bryce Harris just couldn't handle it, that he just wasn't ready and um, he wasn't going to be able to to play well at right tackle. And the Saints basically kept Jimmy Graham in and used him a lot in pass protection, or at the very least chipping and double teaming before rolling out. And so you saw his final stat line was like six catches for 29 yards. That's because a lot of times his routes were security valves. And I'm afraid that's what's going to happen against the 49ers is that it's going to affect what Jimmy Graham is able to do in the passing game because they're going to need to keep him in there um, for blocking purposes, you know. And so it's going to put more stress on your Pierre Thomases, your Jimmy Grahams to help in protection, which is going to give Breeze less receivers 
um, which is going to then put more pressure on Colston, on Lance Moore, on Devery Henderson to get open. Um, so uh, I, I think it's going to be a tremendous challenge um, if, if, Bryce, if Bryce Harris is starting at right tackle for the Saints. Um, that is going to be a major hit, I think, to their offense um, because of what's going to be involved um, against the defense this good as the 49ers, which, I mean, let's, I mean, let's lay it down. This is the best defense they've faced all season. And for the Saints to be able to handle the kind of pressure that they're going to bring, um, they're going to have to go max protect. Um, and so, you know, I, I just hope the running game's working. And then it's going to have to work away from Jari Evans because he, he's playing with a potentially with an undrafted rookie. So um, it's really going to have to be the run to the left side with Grubbs and, and Bushrod that's going to have to work. Yeah, and look, um, you know, the, the Saints, have, if they're 5-5. Five and five. They got, you know, Tampa's ahead of them, uh, Minnesota's ahead of them, Seattle's ahead of them in the wild card. But I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure, Andrew, that, you know, Chicago, if Cutler's out for an extended period of time, I'm not sure that Chicago won't fall back to them. And I know everybody's saying, oh, you're fighting for the sixth seed, you're fighting for the sixth seed. But I'm not so sure that, that, you know, if Cutler's missing a couple of weeks that, you know, we won't be talking about, hey – you know, Chicago's seven and four. Chicago's eight and six. You know, I, without Cutler, I'm not penciling in for Chicago for eleven wins. So, um, the playoff picture. Yeah, to me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not discounting a meltdown with Cutler. You know, <laughs> I, I think the, the the Bears are a good team, but they have some flaws. And you know, he he had his games, kind of like Matt Ryan, where he's just a turnover machine, but. Um, you know, I actually think that Carolina loss to the Bucks was a hit for the Saints. And, um, you know, Carolina is amazing. To me, they are the exact opposite of the Atlanta Falcons this year, <laughs> where I really feel like the, the Panthers and the Falcons are the exact same team this season. They have been in every game. Yeah. And the, the difference is the Falcons have pulled numerous games out of their ass. Once again last week, inex- inexplicably found a way to win against all odds, you know, with less than 1% chance of, of games that end up like that where you lose at that kind of turnover for battle by that kind of margin. For them to pull that off is just it's absurd. And only a team with no quarterback, with literally a quarterback, like literally the only team that they could beat in that scenario was a team that would throw for less than 50 yards. And it yeah. happened. Yeah. And – Literally, the only way that Carolina could lose that game to Tampa is for them to score on a 30-yard pass, I mean, basically a Hail Mary, and then and then make a two-point conversion, and then go to overtime, and then throw another touchdown. I mean, it was just it was a it's a comedy. And, and actually, when Carolina and Atlanta played each other, it was the same thing. Atlanta was down to their one-yard line. Roddy White, Roddy White caught a ridiculous pass, I remember, and they went down and scored. And Carolina had them dead to rights. And and Carolina's been doing this all season where they've had teams beat and they lose it in the last minute and Atlanta has been completely dead rights and beat and they win it in the last second. So those teams are a lot more similar similar than you think. Um, case in point when they played each other and it's just crazy how um, every single week it seems like the same story between those two. Well, I'm, look, Kevin had a t- Kevin held had a tweet and I thought it was the best, you know, Atlanta is the fraudiest fraud that ever frauded. Um, and, <laughs> and I, I loved it, but 
the thing is about Atlanta, and I'm convinced of this, they're not an elite team. They're not going to the Super Bowl, and they're going to be exposed. No. And, pe- and people still are like, oh, you know, they lost to the Saints, but they, they find a way to, you know, all that bullshit. Ah, they find a way to win and blah, 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 which is true, I guess, I mean, to a certain extent. But I think they have, like, fundamental things that are wrong with them and that they can't run the ball and they can't stop the run. And their defense doesn't really score or create turnovers like the Saints' defense in 2009. So I think they're fundamentally flawed. And I'm going to predict, Andrew, I think either Tampa in Tampa or the Saints on Thursday night is going to dump truck Atlanta. Atlanta's going to get dump trucked one of the next two weeks. I think it's going to be Tampa because it would actually benefit the Saints if Atlanta would go to Tampa and win because the Saints are more in competition for Tampa for the for a wild card spot than they are trying to win a division yeah. title. It, I mean the division title is a pipe dream. Atlanta's nine and one. If they go three and three, they get it. You know the the yeah. rest of the year. So um, I, I would expect. Easy schedule. I mean I think Tam, I think Tampa's going to dump truck them this weekend. But if Tampa doesn't, I think it's going to be the Saints on Thursday. I just think Atlanta they're they're not an elite team, but. Um, you know, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I mean, you looked at it, at this game in particular, you know, forget the turnovers for a second. Matt Ryan, you know, I, I do think that's a little bit of an aberration. I mean, he had his worst game of the year by far, and I don't think he'll always play that poorly. And a couple of them were tips. Um, but, yeah, a couple of them were tips. But if you look at the game, the Cardinals were zero threat of passing, zero. There was no threat of the Cardinals throwing the football. And their previous quarterback, Skelton, was so bad, they just put basically a cardboard cutout at quarterback, and he couldn't get the job done. And so they knew runs were coming every play, and it still didn't prevent them from getting gashed repeatedly over and over. And that's the second straight week, by the way, that I've seen them completely incapable of stopping the run because you remember what the Saints did to them. And so I just think you put that team in the playoffs, I don't care if they're playing the Saints. I don't care if they're playing – the Giants, I don't care if they're playing the Bears, I don't care if they're playing the Vikings, you pick any of those teams, and I think they run the ball up and down Atlanta's throat, and they, they just don't stand a chance. No, I mean, look, I, look, I'm no coach, but to me, it seems like you play Arizona, you're like, hey guys, you know what, we're going nine in the box and we're bracketing Larry Fitzgerald, and if they can complete a pass to somebody else, God bless them. And I really think a team I think a team like Pittsburgh or Baltimore would just absolutely annihilate Alabama. I mean, I'm sorry, Atlanta. Sorry, I equate Atlanta and Alabama as the same thing. But um <laughs> no, seriously, I, I think if you put one of those teams that was dominant defensively and had a decent run game, Atlanta stands no chance. Because yeah. I mean look, the Saints beat him with a Pittsburgh defense. Yeah, and a career day by Matt Ryan. Right, right. So um, the Saints have the, the Saints have six weeks to go, uh, Andrew. And what I look, what I said in my column is, if the Saints were seven and three right now, I'd still be concerned about them making the playoffs, just because this schedule. I mean, you look at it, and it is it's as it's as brutal a schedule as you can have in the NFC. San Francisco God, at Atlanta. Why didn't they just beat Kansas City? Why? Yeah. <laughs> You know, but but the thing is, even if they even if they had beat Kansas City, that would put them in they'd be in better position because it'd be tied. But San Francisco, go to Atlanta, go to New York, home to Tampa, at Dallas, home to Carolina. They're probably only going to be favored in two of those games. You know, San Francisco is a one point favorite as of now. That could change. Um, 
Atlanta will be a field goal favorite probably against the Saints, uh, maybe more. Um, the Giants probably be a field goal favorite. So, I mean, the, the, the issue that I see, Andrew, with this schedule is it's not that the Saints can't win the games and go 4-2 and two or whatever, but to me, you're going to have a lot of games in this stretch that are going to be exactly like the Green Bay game that they played earlier, where Saints played against Green Bay – they didn't have any turnovers. Yeah, they had some, they had a couple breakdowns on defense, and they had a, a holding penalty on a, on the potential kick that would have given them the lead with two minutes to go. But and you know Darren Sproles dropped a critical third down, but nobody was like, oh my god, they were atrocious. You know, it wasn't like Denver where they just got schooled. It was just a good, hard fought game between two teams that played really well, and it didn't go the Saints' way. And I think. There's the potential, Andrew, where five of the last six games, you're going to have that. And I just don't see the Saints winning five out of six coin toss games. Or, you know, they'll the beat Carolina, let's say. That gives them six. I don't see them winning four of the, you know, four of the last five coin toss games. I just – I think it's a really, really hard mountain to climb. There's no doubt. I mean, there is no doubt that the schedule makers did them no favors. Um, but I think predictions and, 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 you know, having the crystal, crystal ball are kind of out of the window at this point. I mean, if I, if you had told me they would start 0-4, I would have said no chance in hell. Um, you know, you put me at where they were at 0-4 and said that they'd be 5-5, five and five, I'd tell you no chance in hell. Um, so at this point, I, I just feel like the Saints, you know, are capable of, of winning any game they go in. They've got Drew Brees. They've got a defense that's playing better and the offense has finally come around and running the football well. So I, I feel like they have a chance in any of these games, you know, if you, if you look at them just one at a time. And I think as fans, I think this is a time for us to appreciate the fact that these games actually mean something. Exactly. You know, if, not, if nothing else, the team was 0-4, they were dead to rights. I mean, for Christ's sakes, Ralph, I mean, now they've won five games. When they were 0-4 – you were talking about the over/under being four and a half on. I was, I was. You know, and so they've already passed that, and I, I don't know how they've done it, but they've managed to climb their way back to five and five, which is, which is barely short of miraculous. I mean, let's be honest about that, because the teams they've beaten are a lot better than the teams they lost to. I mean, in the first three weeks of the season, we're talking about the Chiefs. Oh my. We're talking about the Redskins, and we're talking about the Panthers. Look at their records. So, again, the teams they've been beating recently are a lot better than the teams they lost to. And um, so I, I think it's a miracle they're 5-5. Five and five and, and, yes, the stretch is very difficult, but at least these games mean something. And at least we're done talking about draft picks. Mm. And we're 10 games into the season now, and there's only six games left, and there's still a lot to play for. And for that, as a fan, I'm thankful because, um, you know, at 0-4, I thought we were going to have a season like the Raiders have every year yeah. or, you know, the Texans had for the first decade of their franchise. And so um, it, it's just nice that this team was able to rebound, you know, and win, lose, or draw. You know, if they don't make the playoffs, so be it. Um, but at least we can watch these games and know if they mean something. Oh, and definitely. I mean, look, you know, the fact of the matter is I think since – I want to say I heard a stat that since 2002, there's only been two teams that have started 0-4 and, and got back to 500, and it's the Saints. It's the Saints in 07, yeah. and it's the Saints in 2012. And right. look, you know, they're 5-5. Five and five. They have a monstrously big game against San Francisco, and four days later, they have a win or lose against San Francisco. They have a monstrously big game against Atlanta. 
Um, and let me tell you something. I still think I still think nine wins is going to get you a playoff spot in the NFC, and the angry Houdat is a playoff scenarios uh, freak, so he's laying it all out for you. And by what I read on his com- in his column today, the Saints get to nine wins they, because of the way their schedule stacks up going forward. They're going to be pretty good as far as the tiebreakers with head to head and NFC. So. I'm not convinced. I'm not con- to me the only team in the NFC to get the six seed that can that that can realistically, if you look at their schedule, to get to ten wins is Seattle, and I'm not convinced that Seattle can go to Miami and win and go to Chicago. I'm not con- they, they got to get one of those Andrew to get to ten wins. I don't think they can get one of those. So I think nine wins can get you a playoff spot in the NFC. And if it's if I'm right and if it's nine wins. The Saints' schedule, as hard as it is, four and two, to me, the way they're playing is very doable. Well, yeah, you know, you, like you said, they have two games in four days. You know, they they and these are huge because um, as fun as beating Atlanta was, um, you know that Atlanta's pissed and they will be ready for the Saints on Thursday night in yeah. Atlanta and they will give the Saints their absolute best yeah. shot. And so. You combine that with playing a very good San Francisco team that will presumably have Alex Smith back from a concussion and beat them in the last playoff game. Um, So, you know, tempers are going to be high for that, and you know the Saints are going to want to exact revenge in that game. So if the Saints find a way to win both of those, if they're 7-5 and after that four-day stretch, then I think all of us as fans, start to feel real confident. Well, start to feel like, hey, I don't give a fuck who <laughs> we go play in the playoffs. I'm feeling good right now. Well, I mean, and, look, you know, if they split them, if they split them, you know, they still got a decent shot. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that, that three game stretch you talk about, you know, and then you got to go on the road to the Giants. It's brutal. And, you know, I, I think if you're a fan and you're looking ahead, I think you think, all right, well, the, the three last games are not that bad. They're winnable games, and I think you got to just hope they win out with the last three. And so with this stretch, um, you know, I think you got to hope for two and one. And, you know, if, if it's one and two, they got to win out. If it's two and one, maybe you can stumble on one of those last three. But, yeah, where the Saints are now, I mean, it's a miracle we're even talking about playoffs. But um, I, I think realistically, when, when you're looking at the rest of these games, I think you just have to hope the Saints can at least win four of them and, uh, you know, not stumble. Um, and, you know, just keep playing the, the, the football the way they've been playing. You know, look, well, if they keep playing like they've been playing, they're going to be in all these games. Well, yeah, I mean, look, look, you know, the Saints, they have no margin for error, so you can't even talk about, hey, they can't lay their proverbial egg that they do every every year, which I think their egg this year, when you like look back, I think the egg was the Bronco game. I mean, the chief game was this weird sort of thing where they were up, but the, the hardest thing for the saints really is because they have no margin for error. They can't sort of have a loss sort of like where LSU had against Alabama where and look, I'm not getting into the whole scenario where LSU and it really, you know, it could have made their se- season really special. But the point was LSU completely outplayed Alabama. The right. whole game, but they didn't win. The Saints, because they're five and five, they can't afford to say go to Dallas and kick the shit out of Dallas on the scoreboard and have Tony Romo throw three picks and not have any turnovers of their own, and still lose. And we sit 
in the postgame, like, how the fuck did they lose this game? Because they don't have any margin for error. Whereas the last right. couple of years where they won 13 and they won 11, if they had a game where, you know, it kind of got away from them and they blew it and, you know, you think, ah, oh, they, they, they played better than the other team. They just – they don't have that margin for error. And that's what's going to – that is the hardest part. But well, I think they know that in the back yeah. of their mind, and I think that's part of why they're playing better now. Um, you know, I almost feel like the Saints team responds better with a gun to their head. <laughs> um, but but look, it, look, you want to you just get in at, at yeah. this point. You know, and you look at the history. A lot of teams have gone on the road. You look at the Packers when they won the Super Bowl, the Giants last year. Really, the last two times the Giants have won, the Steelers did it too. You know, just get in. You know, and if you're hot at the end of the season, look, the Saints, if they get into the playoffs because they started 0-4, will be pretty much the hottest team in the NFL. And if they get in, no one's going to want to play them. And then, you know, you go from there. And, no, it's not going to be easy to go on the road and win games. But um, I, I don't think we can worry about seeding. I don't think we can worry about, um, you know, who we play or any of that stuff. It's just at this point, it's just get in, just yeah, find a I mean, way to get into the playoffs. And so we're playing for the sixth seed and that's it. Yeah. And the, and the bottom line is Andrew, if they get in this hard stretch that we talk about of Atlanta and San, well, San Francisco, Atlanta and the giants, the fact of the matter is if they get in, they're going to likely play one of these teams that they have to beat to get in. They're going to play them again because it's likely the giants are getting in. Atlanta's getting in. San Francisco's exactly. getting in. Yeah. Um, Hell, if Chicago, if if they, you know, if they if they fold up, it's not, you know, and it's not out of the realm that Dallas is five and five. If you know, they can beat, you know, they can beat, uh, they could win on Thanksgiving, and the Giants play Green Bay. Hell, the Dallas could be tied with the Giants for first place. So it's not out of the realm that the Cowboys could get in. So the Saints are going to play these teams that they're going to have to beat to get in. They're going to play them again, and. Let me tell you, they like you said, they they ain't no team in the NFC that wants to put wants the Saints in the playoffs. And and the fact of the matter is, if the Saints somehow get through this stretch of the next two weeks and get to seven and five and have that long bye, I can guarantee you, for that whole period of where the Saints don't play and, and you wait for the next game, the whole the whole thing on the national media, Andrew, is going to be. The, the the two best teams in the NFC teams are going to say it's Green Bay and they're going to say it's the Saints and people are going to say well they're seven and five people are going to say I don't give a shit they just beat San Francisco they just beat Atlanta twice for the second time and they've won seven or eight um so you can feel really yeah. good about you can feel also a good chance they'll be five and seven <laughs> at which point we can basically kiss the season goodbye but but I, yeah I mean I don't think the Saints can look any further, and that's, that's what San us as fans, we have the luxury of doing that, and, yep. and that's fun and all, but the Saints really can't look any further than San Francisco because that is arguably the best team in the NFC right now, and it's a team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year. They're extremely well coached, and again, they're the best defense that the Saints have faced all season long, and so that's going to be a very big okay. challenge. In fact, I would say they're very similar to the Broncos in terms of style. Um, they run the ball maybe slightly better, they throw the ball maybe slightly worse, and they have as good of a defense, if not better. So, um, and we know what the Broncos do to the Saints, so that's going to be a super tough. Well, game. let's get let's and, get uh, they, they got to win it. Let's get to it, Andrew. Uh, give me a give me give me your thoughts on the on the San Francisco game and a prediction. Well, I think the Saints just have to be careful in this game because um, 
you know, when you remember the playoffs last year, um, there's a balance between being very aggressive and not turning the ball over. Um, and, you know, the Saints are going to need to make plays. If they're too conservative running the football, they're not going to get first downs because the, the 49ers are going to be effective at least at times at stopping the run. And they're going to be effective at, at least at times um, getting good pressure on Breeze on third down and forcing a punt. So, um, you know, they're just going to have to get a little lucky in that department, you know, just to, whether it's Joe Morgan, Morgan getting behind the defense or, you know, some big play where Chris Ivory rips a long run, but if the fumbles by Chris Ivory or the untimely pick by Breeze, that stuff just, just can't fly in a game like this. So the offense is going to have to kind of have that perfect balance of aggressiveness, but care for the football, which is a very fine line and very difficult. Um, defensively, I feel okay about this game because I feel like the Saints, when they commit themselves to stopping the run, can do it. Um, I think they were more scared about stopping the pass against the Raiders in the run, and so you saw the Raiders gash them for big yards in the running game. But against Atlanta, they were fully committed to stopping Michael Turner. And I think they can do that against Frank Gore. I think they can be pretty effective at stopping the run. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's got to be the same game plan as the playoffs last year where it's you got to force Alex Smith to beat you. Um, and hopefully, uh, you know, he doesn't get as hot as he did in the fourth quarter. Um, but, you know, the, the mismatch is still, I feel like, Vernon Davis against uh, the safeties, you know, where the linebackers covering him, whether it's Lofton or Roman Harper. Um, that's where I think the 49ers can really expose the Saints defense. Um, and hopefully they can slow them down better than they did. Yeah, I predicted it in my column. I predicted it twenty. I, I predicted it twenty-seven, twenty-four. And to me, Andrew, it just you know we haven't had any of those. Um, you know, the Saints have won, and Drew Brees has played really well. But we haven't had sort of a Drew Brees sort of. Ah, eh, there's a minute and ten left, and he's got a timeout, and he's got to go seventy yards, and he does it. And you think, yeah, he's pretty fucking awesome. Like he just he hasn't had one of those late season, late game comebacks yet. And I think it's I think it's I think it's time for one of those. Yeah, well, I, I hope so, man. And, and look, against the Forty ers the main thing is I, I don't think they're very strong. I mean, Alex Smith's job is to not turn the ball over, um, you know. And, and they've they've gotten they've given him a little bit more of a leash, and they've they've given him a little more responsibility. But that team is all about playing good defense and running the football. And uh, I would say that the quarterback position is efficient and that it doesn't turn the ball over for them and, and it does what it's supposed to, but I don't think that's where they get their, their best play. I think that is their biggest weakness is at the quarterback position. And so um, I still think from a Saints perspective, that's what you've got to expose. And I think they've got to do as good of a job as humanly possible stopping the run. And they've got to do as good of a job as humanly possible putting up points. And then from there, it's you, you know you, you got to pick your poison, right? Because your defense has severe weaknesses. And I think in this game, it's got to be force Alex Smith to go vertical and beat you. Yeah, and I mean, look, every year is different, and you know, you know, I think you know you you focus on that playoff game, and, and so it'll be different than that. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, Andrew, the Saints crapped the bed in the first quarter. I mean, you cannot, you literally cannot play a worse first quarter than the Saints played in that playoff game. I think, I want to say they went fumble Pierre Thomas, uh, interception Breeze, and then fumble the punt. I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's how it went. So, I mean, liter- like, literally, 
you you can't do any worse than three possessions, three turnovers. You know, right. so so I mean, to me, make get ahead and make make Alex Smith not only have to beat you, but look up at that scoreboard and say, oh man, it's fourteen to three, the Saints, and I got third and six. I got to make this play. Like make him. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually kind of hoping that the Niners find a way to squeak this one out tonight. And yeah, you know, the Bears are starting Jason Campbell, so it's you know it's having Kaepernick at quarterback is not necessarily. Um, but you know, when you guys listen to this podcast tomorrow, you'll know who the winner is. <laughs> yeah. I- I'm hoping that, I'm hoping that the 49ers pull this off because, um, there's something to be said for when teams go into a game and one team needs it more badly than another. Yeah. Um, especially when that team that needs it more badly is playing at home. And, um, I think that could be a blessing in disguise for the Saints that the 49ers kind of get a big head after this week. Like, oh, well, we just won a game with our backup quarterback and we're feeling good about ourselves, and now we get Alex Smith back, and Alex Smith will be out of a rhythm a little bit just because he hasn't played for a week, and uh, the Saints could maybe catch the 49ers at the perfect time, feeling comfortable with a nice lead in the NFC West, needing that game so much more than them. Um, that could be a good recipe, I think, for the Saints, too. All right, so you, you convinced me I'll be rooting for San Francisco as much as it pains me. <laughs> I think that's the way you got to go, man. All right, Andrew. Well, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. And hopefully when we talk again Monday, uh, the Saints will be 6-5. And, and uh, we can laugh at San Francisco. But everybody, go to Saints Nation. Read the grades. Read the stuff. It's fantastic. And, uh, Andrew, thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for having me.